Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. And tonight, I am joined by Patriot Way Media and Mike Corbell of the Invictus Mind, and we are going to talk about Christian nationalism. But first, I'm going to let the guys introduce themselves. So whoever wants to go first, go ahead and kind of tell people a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of take it off. Sure, I'll go ahead and jump in here. Uh, Justin, first, thanks for having me on. I am Patriot Way Media. I am an anonymous uh, Twitter media personality that trolls libertarians and anarchists. And that's about it. I got a website, Patriot, we, uh, Patriot Way Media. Uh, I kind of dabble and I fake pretend at being like an intellectual, but I'm really not. So um, that's about it. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks again, Justin. Uh, my name is Mike Corbell. I'm from the Invictus Mind podcast. Uh, we talk about uh, Financial freedom, spiritual freedom, and political freedom. Uh, I'm not as consistent as Dave Smith, but uh, every once in a while I have a show on, and I'm happy to be on this one. Yeah, I'm not all that consistent myself. I, I've been pretty good about two two a week, but uh, with things going on, life gets in the way sometimes, and and I have to uh, I have to take care of other stuff, uh, like those things in there that are probably being loud and coming through on the on the mic. Um, <laughs> so tonight we are going to talk about Christian nationalism, and this has kind of gotten a lot of attention just over the last several months uh, because of the whole Marjorie Taylor Greene stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, it, it it gets kicked around in the news or in mainstream media and, and social media here and there um, of late. And, and it's one of those things that I've been putting some thought into, and I wanted to explore some of the different sides of Christian nationalism, what it means to to y'all, what your experiences are with it, and kind of like the positives and negatives and, and what you would like to see maybe come from that sort of a, a movement. So so let's start with that. What what would you consider like a, a definition of Christian nationalism? 
Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in here, Justin. Um, I I will say that from my my experience, uh, I've, I've recently attended a Protestant non-denominational church right around the corner from from my house. Um, it's just convenient for our family. Uh, they they have kids, and I have kids, and 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 therefore, and so on on July fourth, or actually it was a Sunday before July fourth, they handed out this document called the the Watchman Decree, and uh, I shared that with you, Justin. I'm not sure if um, if you'll be able to, uh, to to share that with uh, with the viewers or not, uh, but you know, in in general, what I see here is is that there is a um, there, there there appears to be a mixing of Protestant Christianity with you know American nationalism. Uh, that that's what it seems seems like to me. Now that may not be fair uh, necessarily, but I think that uh, at, at large this is a Protestant uh, America. And there, there is, um, uh, you know, great patriotism, you know, from from those those type of uh, people, and and I see, you know, kind of the fusing of of both patriotism and Christianity uh, in in one, and I, I see some potential problems, um, you know, with that down the line, uh, but uh, there, it's not entirely bad, but we'll we'll have a chance to kind of flesh it out. Yeah, I'm not going to read that whole thing right now, but, uh, you know, we can we can discuss it. Um, you know, I think the most important thing that uh, we could do in any discussion like this is kind of hash out definitions. Um, you know, I don't I don't know the two of you that well, and I suppose you don't know me that well. I'm very inactive on Twitter. Sometimes I chime in, sometimes I don't. But I have been a Christian, uh, at least uh, active for the last 20 years. I think when it comes to the idea of Christian nationalism, I'm going to uh, I'm going to start by saying that uh, on one hand I agree with the, with the tenets of it. On the other hand, I don't, and and we'll hash that out. But uh, I look at it this way: I think it's uh, it's a false dichotomy that's presented. And what I mean by that is that uh, if we had given a choice between globalism coming from like you know Geneva, uh, Switzerland, or the World Economic Forum, or or Christian nationalism, and just being here in America, I'd probably just choose the Christian nationalism. That being said, I wouldn't identify myself as a Christian nationalist at all. I think there's many problems with that idea, but uh, because it is a false dichotomy, as I mentioned, you know, maybe we'll talk about uh, one versus the other as to which one is better or not. Uh, we can, so we can dive into that because, I mean, yes, if it is just a binary option between one or the other, I think, um, I think most people in our circles for sure would would probably say, well, yeah, the Christian nationalism is is definitely the better alternative to like some sort of a globalism. And, and honestly, anybody who's um, at all right of complete woke progressive is probably going to, to say something at least similar to that, or, or at least um, have that as, as a temperance for globalism in to some degree or another. Um, so yeah, let's kind of talk about that. Like what is this Christian nationalism that's kind of been brought up in the media of late a direct response in some way to a lot of the push for globalism. I think it is a response to it. Although I don't know when you say as of late, uh, I mean, we're going back to 2016 with the beginning of the Trump era or just in the last you know couple of years. I, I don't really know. I think, so I, I think I've seen it more prominently in the, in the news of the last couple of years. I do think that it started 
probably pre-Trump, uh, probably around the time of um, Oberfeld and the the um, the Supreme Court allowing gay marriage. Um, I think I think that's when it sort of started, but I think it really really has come into more of a spotlight over the, just the last two years or so. Yeah, I, I think we're going to run into trouble here with this discussion if if, uh, if we can't, you know, kind of define, you know, our parameters, because I, I think that one of the things that a Protestant Christian, I know that like my family, you know, are all Protestants, you know, the the immediate, you know, kind of boomer truth that they would say is, well, that, well, this country was built upon Protestant ideals. Uh, it was, you know, a, a creation of, uh, you know, mostly Christian men and, and so forth. And, and probably what, what they would, you know, even uh, further push back on is to say, we're, we are just merely reclaiming, you know, our heritage uh, of, of this nation. And, and so, uh, this is why I have an issue uh, with, um, you know, with this movement uh, at, at large, uh, because that document that um, was passed out, and this is this is not something that uh, that, that document, the the Watchman Cree, decree, I should say, uh, was not something unique to that one particular church that I went to. That that is uh, something that was distributed uh, across uh, the country. If you go into Twitter and you know type in Christian nationalism. Watchman decree, uh, you know, you've got all the blue check marks, you know, uh, shrieking, you know, and, you know, an agony of, about uh, the, the rising fascism, you know, over or that, that's on the horizon, you know, in, in Christian churches. Uh, but, you know, in that very first um, or the second sentence on that document, it says, says, I agree to be a watchman over our nation concerning its people and their rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what I would interject right here is that the moment in which you fuse Christianity with enlightenment principles, uh, you are going to run into some, some trouble. And I think, um, and, and that trouble is exactly where we are at right now in, in uh, uh, 2022, which is, uh, you you can't have you can't have it both ways. You can't say that you're Christian, but also uh, you know hold on to these uh, ideals of modernity and and of the Enlightenment. I, I think that that's going to cause problems. You know, I, I agree with you, Patriots. Um, we will uh, if we get too much into the weeds as far as the definition of Christianity. That, that you know that might take us off the rails because you've mentioned Protestantism mm -hmm. a couple times, Justin. I don't know what faith you, uh, what faith tenant you belong to. I'm a, I'm a Latter Day Saint, uh, otherwise known as a Mormon. So you know I think we should keep it within you know some kind of biblical perspective rather than getting off in tangents as to you know the difference between our theology. But I think there is a lot of crossover between several different faiths and this Americanism that you know we're seeing. Uh, in all churches in this country. That's so. That's definitely something that I've looked at and talked about and, and put a lot of thought into of late. Is the the modernity of the church? Um, we're seeing we're seeing that. So I'm I was raised Methodist, and I guess more or less I still kind of align with Methodism, even though I'm mostly uh, more more Protestant, non-denominational, and I I have been 
of late, I dabble more in orthodoxy and, and reading into and, and looking into that side of, uh, of Christianity. But, you know, I've, I was raised Christian and I've been Christian all my life. Um, but like with the, the Methodist church, you're seeing um, a huge schism between the American Methodist church and the global Methodist church over transgenderism, over gay rights, over a lot of uh, biblical stuff that the American church is moving much more progressive, whereas the global church is sticking to biblical principles. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we we have to, we probably should draw the line in, regardless of denomination, like the Bible has to be where the line is drawn as far as the Christian nationalism goes. Like it can't be a, um, any sort of a, like a Christian nationalism that is pandering to progressivism and that sort of stuff is, is not going to be something that's actually effective or, or will uh, create any type of a change that's going to be meaningful in society. So, so like that, that's probably uh, defining line one is like, it, it has to be defined as legitimately biblical, not, uh, not the modern progressive type of, of church. And and Justin, I I I agree with you a hundred percent. And and I would say that the people that uh, that are pushing forth what I see, uh, w- uh, whether it's the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world or this this church that uh, that that I attend, I think that they are definitely on the right side of the aisle. You know, in terms of uh, uh, you know being pro life, uh, being pro two A. You know, just in general, being either conservative or, or right wing, um, I I think that you could even draw that line very broadly. You know, across uh, many different Christian denominations, I, I think that there's probably you know Catholics and um, you know uh, other you know a, a wide variety of of Christians that would align themselves with these ideals. Um, what and 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 to be quite transparent with you, I think that if if you ask me today, what what would I prefer as my um, uh, kind of government of, of of choice? I would say I'm very much a theocrat. Like let's let's have uh, let's have a theocracy uh, because I think that you know anything. Uh, I think that we're we're just kind of fooling ourselves thinking that we can keep uh, religion separated. You know, from from state. Um, the point that I'm trying to make right here is that I I don't know that these current uh, Christians, these these current uh, predominantly Protestants, that are clinging to these traditional American values of you know life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't think that that's going to get them where they want to go uh, in, in in terms of of, of creating a Christian nation. And the reason why I say that is, is because this nation started with those principles and we've ended up, uh, you know, with all this wokeness. And I'm, I'm happy to, to defend that claim. Well, you know, I think that, um, uh, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, obviously that's in our founding documents, but I think that we need to lay out the definition of what nation really means. Because when, when this country started in 1776, we were not known as a nation, right? We might have been called a union at the time, and 
know, that was more predominantly language used around the Civil War era, but it was post-Civil War that we became a sovereign nation. I mean, we started as colonies and it became states, but you can go back to Rothbard, I think it was, who defined what the word nation means. Nation is a group of people who share similar culture, similar ideology, uh, religion, usually similar language, uh, look kind of the same. You know, so that's a nation, right? America has never been, in my estimation, a nation, despite whether they call it a nation or not. It's not really a nation uh, by design. And so to go back to being called a Christian nation, that's just that's just incorrect terminology to begin with. Yeah, and and that's I don't believe based on the like the founding documents and stuff. It doesn't seem like the the founders intended for it to be. Um, number one, they didn't intend for it to be like a true democracy, and they didn't intend for it to be like some sort of a a nation. It was a it was a collection of states. It was it was always a, a republican, and like you said, more of a union. Uh, so over you know, over the last hundred and these uh, these american uh what what is it these united states of america uh they they switched it on us you know to to where now it is just the united states of america um you know pre civil war it was these it was plural so um i i, I very much agree with what what it is that you guys are saying well if yeah, anyone's, i've been to like i'm sorry i've been no, to no, like, no, go ahead Go, I've go, been go. to like 35 of these of these United States. That's still about 15 or so. I haven't actually set foot in, but uh, <laughs> anyone anyone who's been around the country as much as I have can tell you that you know the North uh, New England states and states like Florida and Georgia and then of course uh, the Western states. They all have different cultures. They have different types of people, several different religions, and so you know this is not a unified monolith uh, of any kind of nation by by uh, strict definition. <laughs> I think. To that point, I've I've lived in, I can't remember what it is now, seven or nine different states over the last uh, twenty years or so, and um, traveled to twenty five different states. Like like you're saying, they, they are every state kind of has its own unique um, culture and and kind of demographics, and even different parts of different states has very very distinctly different cultures and and, and to to try to think that all of that can just become this one unified nation. Like, like you were talking about with the, the definition of a nation is that like a nation is by definition unified. And what we are is just a big collection of hodgepodge um, that, you know, is held together by at this point, I'm not really sure what, uh, <laughs> it, like maybe the, maybe the final, like, the final result of this whole, uh, Christian nationality thing is not that it is one unified Christian nation, but that it is a bunch of individual uh, Christian nations within the larger landmass that is currently the United States. But um, like looking at this stuff, anybody who's anybody who's pushing for like a one nation type of thing, I, I don't feel like they've spent much time traveling. I, I don't feel like they've, had much experience with seeing the significant differences between New York and New Jersey and, and even like New Hampshire and different parts of Connecticut versus Mississippi and Louisiana or, you know, uh, Georgia and Alabama, Kentucky and Indiana and Tennessee. Like they're, everything's very regional and everything's very 
different no matter where you go and uh to expect the whole thing to just like be this one contiguous unit is kind of ludicrous in in my opinion i'm I'm also a little bit more of a uh, um separatist i guess i i'm i'm all for uh state breaking up and as you said it was these united states not the united states meaning it, they were individuals and and they had the opportunity or the uh, the ability to say hey look this isn't right and we don't want to do this anymore like that was that, that was built into uh the design of the whole thing and somewhere along the lines that got uh perverted or or just thrown out the window entirely uh, mike i really uh appreciate the fact that you've You've clarified the the definition of what a what a nation is, and you know if we are going by this particular definition, you know of uh, of of a nation which is a a group of people that that share a culture, share a religion, a language, you know com, uh, you know common values, then I think that there's absolutely uh, a place for Christian nationalism within. Uh, within this country um, at at large, uh, but I'm I'm going to continue referring back to this document. I, I apologize because this is kind of what is in my in my head in terms of what I think that if if there is a group of people that is pushing um, uh, Christians, you know, within these these uh, within these churches, you know, nationwide, they they are pushing them in a direction where it's it's very much the opposite of what what it is that we're discussing you know um i i've been referencing the the amish uh quite a bit in my conversations uh here lately i i grew up i grew up uh, pretty close to the amish when i was um a young kid i actually did work um w with the amish i would stack hay and you know uh deliver hay you know to and from these Amish communities and they they are closed communities and in many ways you could say that like they are their own uh nation as such and if if we're going to if we are going to define christian nationalism as something that is that resembles maybe an Amish community like I'm all on board with that um however I don't think that that is really the message that is being pushed by many of the people with a voice uh, at, at the top of uh, these influential churches uh, in, in this country. And I think that they, they have illusions of taking back the, the country, you know, taking back DC, taking back uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times and, and, and the banks. And um, I think the moment in which you begin to believe that that's possible, like you, you're just on a suicide mission. You're, you're jumping out of a plane without a parachute, in my opinion. That's something that I kind of wanted to, to start moving into is because <clears throat> we've, we've kind of established the definitions of, um, of like what we're, what we're sort of talking about as far as Christianity goes and what we're sort of talking about as far as the definitions of nationalism. Um, so what is this, what is the Christian nationalism that's being pushed in the news? It's, it's this, um, idea that Christians are going to 
use the different offices of government at a federal level to mandate and legislate in a Christian manner and, and enforce, basically enforce Christianity on the country. And, and yeah, when I read the, this Watchman decree, like there's, there's a lot of, maybe not explicitly, but it, it kind of moves in that direction with some of the wording, um, especially if you're, if this is getting shared by leftists, like, you know, they're twisting that as far <laughs> as they can in that direction. Um, and, and I don't think like for me personally, I don't think that's the kind of, let me, okay, let me rephrase it. I ne would not necessarily be opposed to that, but I don't think that's something that would be, that would have a, uh, functional effectiveness in the country. Hmm. Does that make sense? You know, what's interesting is that uh, both the left and the right are coming from the same place in my mind. What I mean by that is like, you know, we could talk about, you know, some of the, the really wacky ideas that the left can comes up with, you know, especially with the transhuman movement and everything like that and, and with the woke culture. But, you know, I've heard several different uh, uh, influencers talk about this principle and, you know, uh, uh, mimesis, right? People are, are, yep. are, are uh, you know, copying each other. And it all, comes, it all stems from Christianity. So you can break apart wokeism and you can say, well, they have, you know, they're fighting for the little guy, the oppressed, the, you know, the individual rights and all that idea of individualism is, you know, a Christian idea, right? And so maybe they're Christianity without Christ, but they're still trying to use the government, uh, the you know, as a force to make sure everyone lives according to their idea of Christianity, whether they want to accept Christ as a savior or not, it's the same, uh, same base, the same kind of structure. And of course, on the right, it's the same thing, but they have a different idea of what Christianity really means. And it's not this trans transhumanism, but they're trying to use the government to, okay, we want to enforce everybody to live this way, right? So they're both coming from the same general background, the same idea of Christianity, but they're defining that term Christianity as meaning one of the or something else. You know, that's that's why I think like having a clear definition of what that means, going back to that biblical principle. Okay, well, we can look into the Bible and say, well, wokeism is not Christianity because this verse, this verse, and this verse, you know, it says that in the Bible. But it's the same basic thing in my mind. Well, and like the the incredibly uh right-wing version of like almost an authoritarian type of Christianity. I don't think that's biblical either. Uh, there are plenty of examples where the Bible kind of um, encourages against that sort of thing, like not, not utilizing the, not utilizing Christian influence to, to take control of uh, state apparatus and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't think that type of um, institutional Christianity is, is very biblical either. Um, well, when you when you actually invited me to do this uh, podcast, I was looking up some things and I got a bunch of notes here. So I wanted to share uh, something I heard the other day. I um, again, hey, I quit showing off, Mike. You actually did research for this. Come on. Well, now. This is like the first episode <laughs> I've invited people on that. I didn't give you a, an article to read and make you do homework beforehand. So I, well, I'm it, proud it actually, of you. It actually uh it kind of goes along with another guest I'm going to have on my own show. So I'm going to use the same notes twice here, <laughs> but you know, so if you want to talk about what the Bible actually says, and I started by talking about the difference between um, American nationalism 
right? Christian nationalism and this global empire, right? So let's just put aside this idea of a global empire because we we all agree that we don't want it. We don't we don't want to go there. Yep. But if you go back to the Bible, I'm thinking of the Tower of Babel story, the Tower mm -hmm. of Babel. So you know, and there's of course there's different interpretations of the story, but the basic premise is that, that everybody in the general area, which was the first empire of Babylon, that's where the word Babel comes from, Babel, uh, they all were kind of like um, trying to ex you know put themselves up at the God's level, right? So the story in the Bible goes that they they all got together and they were trying to build a tower to heaven to bring God down to their level, and this is kind of led by this guy named Nimrod, who was this. Um, this emperor, like this mighty man in scriptures. And so they had this first empire and they were trying to excel themselves above God. And God didn't really like that they were doing this. So what happened in the story is that he confounded all their languages, made them speak different languages, destroyed the tower, and they all went separate ways. And so in the Bible, in the, in the book of Genesis, God doesn't really like this globalism idea, right? You know, because when people get together and they build these things, they try to excel themselves above God. He's like, I'm not having any of that. So <laughs> he confounded their language, right? That's what Babel means, right? So they couldn't understand each other. And so I made a joke kind of tongue-in-cheek that uh, that was God's choosing nationalism over globalism. But, you know, that's not the <laughs> truth either. <laughs> Hold up. I got talks coming in. So, I mean, yeah, so obviously we can look at the, that story and compare it to what's going on today. We want to have everybody, you know, all, all these elites are trying to make one world government. You know, we're trying to make ourselves like God. We're trying to, we're trying to control everybody on a, on a worldly scale, right? And God, again, in the Bible said, well, you know, you're not above God. You can't exalt yourself above God. So we're going we're gonna to bring you down and separate, you know, into separate nations and separate cultures. And since that time, we've had, that idea that you know <laughs> there's all these different countries that exist out there. This this is a really good point, uh, Mike, and uh, it it reminds me of uh, reading Moldbug uh, because he in in one of I think it was uh, in Unqualified Reservations he was talking about the progressive spirit um, of universalizing everything. Right. And and also how. The um, kind of the the I hate to say American spirit, uh, because that's kind of a loaded, a loaded phrase, but but essentially Americanism blended Puritanism, which was, you know, which is this idea of like purifying all of the. I guess evil, you know, from the culture. But then at the same time, trying to universalize, um, uh, you know, the culture in, into one. And so going back to what we were talking about earlier, which was America was never supposed to be this, this singular American culture. It was always supposed to be, and in a lot of ways, it was supposed to be multicultural. I mean, it was multicultural, e even though, you know, the left hijacked. Uh, and has bastardized that um, that that term multicultural. But if you think about it, the the very genesis of of this country was it was it was always about you know English and you know Scottish and Irish and you know Italian. You know, eventually there there were Italians and, uh, and then you know another wave of immigration. You know, with with Jewish immigrants and 
so on and so forth. Um, and, and somewhere along the line, like there was this progressive spirit to, to try to make, to try to, uh, you know, kind of unify, uh, everything kind of into, into one. So, you know, maybe we are seeing the fruits, you know, of, of this mistake. And, and yes, it was not the, the intention of, of the founders for, for that to happen. Uh, but this is this is where we're at right now, where you know there is a singular force in D.C. that is telling all of us how we are supposed to live, how we are supposed to think, um, and on top of that, you know, if you don't respect somebody's pronouns, well, you know, you're a bigot and a fascist and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, if if there is room for a Christian nationalist, you know, in in this space, what I would say is is that we have to build our community, um, you know, kind of inside of this. Um, you know, Pete uh, Q, you know, is always talking about, you know, the, the, the Hoppian, you know, private community and, and uh, you know, privatized cities and, and so forth. I think that there is room for, for us to, for, for Christians to network together you know, within the empire. I don't think that it's necessarily reasonable to say, hey, you know, we're going to send all of these politicians that are Christians, you know, to take back uh, D.C. Or, or even, you know, the state capitals, you know, for that matter. I don't know if that's necessarily realistic. I think it's more realistic to say, uh, let's build our own, you know, sub-nations within uh, the, 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 broader, the broader fallen culture. Well, that's like you had talked about the, the Amish earlier, and there are also like Catholic uh, covenant community types. We had talked mm -hmm. about some of that on uh, an episode I did a few weeks ago where we talked about like farmers markets and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, um, what this lady had uh, who had written this article had described as white nationalism amongst these rural farmers markets. And, and like that's it's um, it's not that they're, you know, it's not that they're Christian nationals. It's not that they're white nationals. It's that they are a sort of a miniature nation unto themselves. It is a bunch of people with similar values, similar goals, similar uh, like lifestyles that have come together and kind of formed these communities. And then when somebody like her, who is much more progressive and, and left-leaning comes, comes in and is participating in this, like it's, it's offensive to her because that's not her, like those values are not her shared values, but you know, that's kind of, that's why they're, they are covenant communities type type of things, even though they're not like the farmer's markets themselves aren't, uh, they're not strictly or, or like definitionally covenant communities. The people who are getting together in those to some extent are. And, and so like, that's, that's the thing that, when looking at Christian nationalism and stuff, and when you were talking about like the, the founding of the nation and the different groups that were coming here and, and kind of the, uh, like the, the melting pot as it were in that time, all of those groups up to a point were very similar. They had similar goals, similar values and principles. Like they were, while they came from different, countries and had different backgrounds and and even to some extent you know very varying differences in religion and stuff like that they were all mostly the same and and sort of homogenous up to a point and then at that point 
and then it became this uh, like melting pot and started moving its way into you know progressivism where you have a lot of groups that that don't align and then for some reason at some point in history it stopped being okay to have a place like new york where you have you know almost exclusively black communities and black parts of town you have chinatown you have you know very orthodox jewish parts of, of the city like for some reason it became all of this has to be smashed together and made into one big thing and that's where that's where things started to break down and you're seeing that happen you're seeing that happen currently all across europe like sweden is a a prime example and I, i've talked about sweden too much over the last couple of years because <laughs> they have been a a kind of a shining example both of um a country that handled the pandemic well but also a lot of this um like forced immigration and stuff that's not playing out well like sweden had some of the most stringent uh immigration policies on the planet i just for shits and giggles, I looked into it in 2020 to see like what what would it take to to move to to Sweden. Uh, you're not doing it is basically the answer. Like it, there were there were a lot of stipulations. You had to have a job. You had to have a minimum like a certain minimum provable income before you could move there. You had to have uh, like references. It it was a lot. But then Sweden also through the whole EU bullshit had to start letting in a certain number of, of Middle Eastern immigrants, and they were all getting dumped in Stockholm. And it has completely wrecked Stockholm, and it has created a rise of what would, uh, in the United States, be referred to as like ultra-maga or dark-maga. Like, it is incredibly right-wing, nationalistic movement that's come up in Sweden as a direct response to that, because it's completely wrecking their it's wrecking their society and it's wrecking the culture that they had as a country because of like what they've done with this forced immigration and trying to create this like melting pot uh, that that's clearly not working. This, this social experiment is kind of failing. So I think that's something with the, with the Christian nationalism side of it is um, like what I would want to see is more covenant community type things and making that like the national divorce thing, whether it happens, I think it. I think it's likely. Just the looking at history and based on like looking at the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, like I think we're in the decline of this empire, and it's going to dissolve and break up, and then it will become you know European-sized nation states. Um, you know, and then, and then at that point, people are going to have to decide where they want to live, and and you're going to see stuff like like the the New York governor saying that. Uh, MAGA folks should get out of New York. I agree. They absolutely should be getting out of New York. And and if you're not a MAGA type folk, uh, you should probably be getting out of Indiana. Like just this probably is not the place for you, right? Like it, it feels like we should be moving in that direction. So like that's that's kind of the idea of Christian nationalism that that I would be a little more aligned with. I'm not a big fan of the the idea of wielding the power of the state for the the explicit intentions of uh, promoting Christianity. I, I'm, I do, I do at least think the the idea of the separation of church and state is something that uh, I think the leftists 
and progressives and especially the atheists take that way too far. Um, but there is some value in like not having the state be explicitly religious in a way. But I also see value in it. I mean, you look at uh, certain Middle Eastern nations where their religion is and faith is directly tied to the way they govern. And uh, I don't want to say that they're that they're good, but like they do have they do. They don't have a lot of certain problems because of that, uh, that marriage of the two. So I can see it both ways, but I just don't think it works on this scale. Yeah, you know, all bad things start in Washington, D.C. I uh, I took my daughter there in 2019, and man, I hate that hellhole. Just <laughs> the swamp should just, like, go away. Uh, so at the time, that was three years ago now, so she was, like, nine. And I said, we're going to Washington, D.C. I was there for a company trip, and, and we just she had never been there. So I said, okay, I guess you can come with me. And she called it Washington Disease, which I thought <laughs> was cute. And I was like, yeah, she's absolutely right. And so uh, the fact is that everybody wants to use this tool, this uh, this disease to, you know, to make uh, their country into the way they see fit. But this idea that we were ever a Christian nation, it's just preposterous. I mean, even among Christian sects, you talked about uh, multiculturalism a little bit, Justin. And, uh, you know, a lot of the white Europeans that came over to the Americas, they got along with each other unless you were Irish. Right. The Irish were notoriously like uh, um, <laughs> a lot of racism against the Irish. And of course, you know, I'm not going to excuse what happened in the South with the African slaves, because that's another group. But even the Protestants and the Catholics didn't get along with each other. In fact, it was very vitriol up in uh, New York in the 1820s. There was a whole uh, um, religious argument going on where the Protestants were arguing among themselves about which religion was correct, you know, and the Catholics were there and of course, my faith, the Mormons were pretty much kicked out of every state until they landed in Utah. And um, the Jehovah's Witnesses back in, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but they, back in 1940, the Jehovah's Witnesses, there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened with them because they don't even believe in this idea of patriotism or, or saluting a flag or anything like that. So there was a story I was just checking out. The Jehovah's Witnesses, there was like 335 different, uh, basically, aggressive movements or, or riots against the Jehovah's Witnesses because they didn't want to salute the flag. And so all these people are like beating them because like, you're not even, you're not American enough. <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> and, and so our country is, is, is filled with history that we're, you know, we never got along. There's never been a, a, a pure Christian ideology in this country. And so this idea that they can, you know, unite everybody using Washington, D.C. to have one Christian standard. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's never been like that and it never will. It's impossible. Yeah, I agree. The The idea of it's just too. You see it play out just between the denominations, like for whatever reason, no matter how similar Presbyterians and Methodists and, and some of the others are, there's still like some degree of uh, infighting amongst the different denominations of the church. Uh, I mean, I've been a member of just about every one at some point. Uh, in my travels and, and moving around the country. And I, at the end of the day, it, it's as long as they're preaching the word of God and, and based on the, based on the Bible and focused on Jesus and focused on the Bible, uh, none of that other stuff matters, <laughs> which is just silly. The, the, one, the one thing that I would say is, is that um, 
this country has been tolerant of, uh, you know, Christian denominations as long as it's within a a certain boundary. And Protestantism is is real funky because obviously, like the Mormons are technically, uh, I don't know, Mike, you could correct me here, but I mean, technically they're Protestant, but they're they're not exactly Protestant. But and and because of that. Uh, they have received uh, persecution because they're not exactly within, you know, the acceptable boundaries of, you know, the Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, you know, kind of the mainline uh, Protestants. And so the, the way that I've seen history, and, and, and of course, throughout all of this, uh, Americans traditionally have looked at the Catholics with a great deal of suspicion. You know, when when JFK was elected in, uh, you know, 1960, you know, there were there were all of these conspiracy theories that, you know, here now the, the pope is is going to be running, you know, the United States of America. And so the way that I look at it and, 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 and of course, I could be wrong, uh, but the way that I look at it is, is that this country uh, from its inception was it was very much Protestant, but there were always guardrails you know, in, in terms of what was acceptable Christianity. And that's why I kind of go back to this idea of no matter what your government is, it's going to be informed by some sort of religion. Now, it can be explicitly, you know, um, you know, Muslim law or Shia law or what, what, whatever it is, or it can kind of be, you know, behind the veil. And that's what I've seen with, with American uh, with American government and American law, which is, it's been informed by kind of this this blend of vaguely Protestant Christianity, and the 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 final result of this is uh, the the final result of, of of Protestantism is to just eventually separate Christ uh, and the Church and the Holy Spirit, you know, away from all of this, and and we we just end up you know with the Church of 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 woke as it as it were, uh, but you know everything that you guys say, I, I I tend to agree with, except for this this notion that at any given time, I don't think that we've ever had kind of a neutral uh, a neutral government that that is just void of of religion uh, or Christianity. I think it's always been there, but it's always been you know kind of shrouded, uh, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will address one thing, Patriot. Um, so as far as Mormons being Protestant, I mean, I guess you can lump them in that, by that definition because we're not Catholic or Orthodox, but uh, you would find that there's a lot of differences in, uh, in doctrine between Protestantism yes. and Mormonism. Yes. But the point I'm saying with that is, I mean, that's a very personal thing. So you can't separate, like we can have this idea of separate church and state, but I don't think it's possible because religion is inherently an important thing for all people. And so they're going to hold to that, whatever their doctrine happens to be as a personal important thing. And so Christianity as a whole has a problem historically because obviously uh, they want to spread this message of Jesus Christ, but you can go back, you know, back to the crusades and say, okay, well, what happened during the crusades? Like they had all these other, uh, cultures infiltrating Europe and, and and the Christians didn't like that, so they had these these wars, right? That's inherently not a Christian principle, by the way, is war. 
<laughs> and so people have have been uh, fighting against each other because of this personal narrative that they want to they want to live their lives by. And so you hear nowadays a lot of Catholics and Orthodox and, and, and of that ilk will say, well, it's the you know, the fault of the Enlightenment, right? The Protestant Reformation or whatever. And the Protestants will say, well, we don't like the Catholics because, you know, they were mixing with the state, right? So Catholicism, you know, you go, again, going back to the Middle Ages, the, the great uh, empires of Europe and Byzantium, you know, they had this, this mixture of church and state and the Protestants wanted to separate themselves from that, right? And of course, now in America, we want to go back to this, okay, let's mix with the state again. And it's like, that's the problem right there. It's like anytime that we mix state and our religion, there's going to be a problem because Christianity may have a good message no matter what sect you come from. But when you want to use force of the state, the monopoly and violence to push that idea on, on a whole, it's, it's going to cause problems. And, and that's, that's, that's diametrically opposed to the message of Christ himself. Is that, you know, you don't need to mix, you don't need to sit there and use the state just Let's do away with this force, right? But Christians have been doing it for two thousand years. So I mean, where does it start? Where does it end? I mean, it's just that's just idea that's flawed from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big proponent of Christian nationalism, but when I say that, I don't mean this, the uh, I don't mean the church has a direct influence on the state. I think as a nation, we need to resu- uh, we need to return to biblical principles and and ideals and and a foundation of that. And, and get away from a lot of the stuff that are that is resulting in the degradation and uh, the degeneracy of our society. Uh, like, yeah, when you look at historically at the different religious uh, movements that have had significant influence in the church or in the state, it always ends up corrupting both. Like the Anglican church in, in England, the Catholic church across Europe, like it, it's always a, a corrupting influence for for both sides uh, it never does seem to work out where it actually promotes the things that it should especially especially from the church side of it like it it, it seems like when you look historically at when when the catholic church had the most influence over the the different kingdoms of europe that was when the church was the most corrupt like um it's not a that's not that's not something that should be striven striven for or or uh like that that shouldn't be a goal of of Christians is to have that direct influence on the state because the state is a eternally corrupting influence. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, and of course there's this, uh, I've been uh, listening to a lot of these people that call themselves the post libertarians and I'm not, and I'm not calling out or trying to bash this ideology. But one thing that I realize is that in one, one aspect, they are correct. We're never going to get into a utopia where there's no state. So the the average libertarian who wants to get rid of the state and that'll solve all our problems, that is just, that is flawed beyond comprehension. We'll never get rid of the state, period. We're never going to get rid of the government, period. So it's there. But that doesn't mean that we need to mingle with the state, right? We just got to kind of treat it like, okay, it is what it is. Let's do our own thing. You know, if we want to participate in society, we got to understand, well, there's this thing in our way. We kind of got to work with it and work around with it. But that's not like, you know, force ourselves into this. It's the, you know, dividing people to begin with. The, the one thing um, that I would, I guess, push back on is, well, well first of all, I, I agree with the, the universalization 
uh, of of the or the the imperialism, I guess, is maybe a better word from some some of these historical uh, empires. Okay, anytime you have an empire, there is going to be uh, corruption. But let's scale this back. Let's take this back to a community level. Um, if if we have a neighborhood of say a hundred households, okay, and 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 we are uh, we're a community. We're we all agree, you know, that we are uh, working together. You're going to have to have some sort of governing system, right, uh, to 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 oversee this this community. And my my point is is that uh, trying to make that secular, I think, is you know, if if this governing uh, body over you know our covenant community, if we say this is you know just purely secular, uh, th that's setting yourself. I think that's setting yourself up for failure. Whereas, if we want to come back to so-called Christian nationalism, okay, um, I don't know how technical we're going to get here. You know, in terms of does the church. Uh, you know, set set the guidelines for the speed limits or the, uh, you know, the crosswalks, you know, in this per particular community. But my point is, is that those leaders on, you know, the governing board should be informed and influenced, um, you know, by uh, the the religion of, of the community. So, you know, on one hand, I totally agree, you know, when you've got this empire that is trying to universalize you know, all these cultures together, okay, it's, it's not going to work out. But let's take it now to a, you know, a little bit more micro level. You know, how is it that we, I don't think that it's possible to separate, you know, religion and law. And if you do try to s separate the two, uh, are you not just, you know, inviting a, uh, a corrupting force uh, a as a result? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, that's kind of uh, to to kind of give away my direction with this. That's kind of where I wanted to go with this conversation. Was um, I mean, as far as the Christian nationalism thing goes, I, I don't I don't view it as a necessarily positive thing on a truly national level. The like I said, the the uh, foundational principles and ideals of Christianity are something that as a nation we should be returning to but in terms of like the the application of christian nationalism as it is being defined in mainstream media and and in the um, all of the screeching of of the progressive left that only works on a very local level and and that's one of those things that um you know mike brought up the post-libertarians and and i guess i'm i'm one of those uh like that's one of the things that we kind of want to move towards and push for is using your local influence and your your local political structure to be able to build those types of you know, like like the covenant community type things we were talking about earlier where that that is a part of what you do and that's like that is ingrained in your community and your society and and then you have that uh it's a micro version of that nationalism because you are your you know you're a confined nation of the people who live in your in your community. 
I don't know if you heard, but the, um, Pete Quinona's had uh, uh, an episode just the other day. It was, a, it was a woman from Utah. She was not Mormon, but uh, it was a great episode because uh, I'm not from Utah either. Every, every time I tell someone I'm Mormon, they think I'm from Utah. I'm like, no, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> I'm actually a Midwestern boy. But uh, Utah is a different breed out there. But I thought it was a great episode because it really it showed how uh, covenant communities could actually work as long as people have a similar ideology, right? Now, there's problems itself among the church members in that state, and there's a lot of wokeism that's infiltrated that, but that's, that's mainly because we still hold to this idea that we're all part of this monolith called America, right? And so these woke ideas want to kind of infiltrate, uh, you know, even communities that would be covenant communities. But you mentioned the Amish, right? So the Amish kind of removed themselves completely from the entire thing. So they're probably the best example we have about covenant communities out there, how they work. But it, it, they have to be tied culturally, linguistically, uh, religiously. I mean, those are the only way it can work. I don't because this idea of multiculturalism is just it's just a fallacy. Well, I'm sure kind of a yeah. uh, like a prime example of decentralization as far as that goes, because even though you have even though every Amish community is very similar in some ways, uh, I don't believe that the separate Amish communities across the country are actually connected to each other in any like significant way. I mean, uh, maybe I'm completely wrong on that, but to, to my knowledge, I'm, I'm pretty sure like they, they operate as independent. They, they effectively operate as independent nation states in, uh, you know, to themselves. They, you're right. Each Amish community is kind of its own thing. Like they don't, they all have very similar values and structures and the way they go about things, but, but they are, incredibly individualistic as far as each community goes like it's it's and and that's like i believe maybe i just need to uh i need to shave the mustache and just go full amish um <laughs> like i really do think that like the the amish styling of the way they build their communities like i think that's a good example to kind of build off of like you, you don't have to return to uh you know like uncle ted's uh wet dream and do away with all technology but at the same time like there are some structural things to the way they put their 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 society and their culture together that that would really be uh foundationally beneficial to to moving these ideas forward they are they are definitely uncle ted adjacent i i would say and uh their, their communities uh, are definitely you use the word individualized. Um, I, I would say that they are autonomous. Okay. Um, and that, you know, each community is, is actually a little bit of a collective um, as such, you know, they're, you know, the, the idea of the individual is, is certainly not anything. What will we have, you know, here, here in the West. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do have these, I do have these these dreams of uh, you know a, a theocratic you know nation as such, but that's not realistic. I, I think what's more realistic is exactly what we're what we're talking about here, which is you know small pockets of uh, of, of communities uh, and groups of people that are working together um, that are kind of you know, just pockets of, of freedom. And you, you mentioned, Mike, you mentioned uh, Pete, you know, just a moment ago. And Pete always talks about how, you know, these, you know, kind of in between the cracks, you know, where where freedom can kind of, uh, you know, up, you know, amidst uh, tyranny. And 
I, I don't think that it does us any good to talk about trying to take back, you know, some newspaper or, you know, Washington, D.C., even if that is, uh, you know, that's, that's probably not even possible. But what is possible is for us to begin uh, developing networks of, uh, you know, families, communities uh, together, uh, because I, what we're living in right now can't sustain. Now, is it going to collapse next week or is it going to be next year or is it going to be a decade from now? We're not sure. But whenever that uh, that time comes, uh, we, we need to have we need to have networks uh, of uh, groups of people that are are ready and willing to help each other. That That's the way I see it. Justin, I was, I was thinking when you were talking about uh, the Amish communities. Now, I've never I've actually never been to Pennsylvania. So that's one of the <laughs> one of the 15 I've never been. So I'm not familiar with with uh, Amish communities themselves. I, I obviously know a little bit about their culture. But uh, I think, and I don't want to dox you here, but you said you were from Indiana, Justin. Okay. I, I'm undoxable. I, I'm all of my <laughs> stuff is completely out in the open. So yeah. Um, so yes, I I live in Indiana currently. There's actually a an Amish community uh, probably 20, 25 miles from here. Uh, also, where I grew up in Kentucky, there was an Amish community about 20 to 25 miles from where I grew up. So I, I'm that's why I said I'm fairly familiar, and also like. I don't know for a fact, you know, nationwide, but I know that the ones here are quite a bit different from the ones back home. Like they still have a lot of this, a lot of similarities, but they're also very different. Well, so I'm going to say this because I was in Indiana in 2020 and I went to this little town called Shipshawana. And it's, it's a great name for a town. It's in Indiana. It's uh, more towards the Ohio side. It's, it's on the, uh, the east side of Indiana, up in the north. But uh, I, I believe it was uh, a Mennonite community and Mennonites are very similar to Amish, except they do have technology. Like I, I drive there with my car and they had the, the horse and buggies and everything like that. But they also had restaurants with lights on and stuff like that. So you can go eat, you know, at night. So maybe that maybe that's an example there. I just thought it was funny. The the Mennonites, uh they're actually really they're really unique and cool too. And and like the way that they do their own communities, and they're also very uh um they have a, a lot of differences between the different Mennonite communities like the one there was also one of those uh, around home where I grew up and and they have a lot of uh, they're allowed to use technology but there are certain restrictions on it like um, it can't be a new vehicle it has to be used it has to be a certain color like they have they have a lot of uh, weird rules around how they go about doing that but yeah I mean it's it's cool and that's what I'm talking about like you know we don't have to we don't have to completely cut out technology but if we have a community that's based on like everybody is sort of on the same page and, and you have those, those values and those ideals that you, that you're all focused on as a community, then that's the way that you implement the, the, the idea of Christian nationality in a way that it actually is effective and can work and, and can have positive influence. Um, yeah. On a, on a, just a strictly nationalistic level, I just don't see it being, there, there would be too much, there'd be too much pushback. Uh, Community-wise, is is where it has to go, and and radical uh, segregate and uh, not segregation. Well, I mean, I, to some extent, segregation. Segregation, say it. So, segregation today. I say to some extent, <laughs> segregation is what like what um I mean shit. The the left is moving toward back towards that anyway, so we may as well just go all the way with it and say, okay, well, we will all go live in our own place. 
I mean, you see it on college campuses currently. They're... Yeah, I mean, their their whole thing is, uh, you know, they want to go back towards segregation, even though their whole thing is like, oh, we don't want that. So it's, it's kind of like an oxymoron. But it, it, it depends on the, on the community. What, what's the opposite of segregation? Gentrification, right? And so if some community wants to have gentrification, fine, as long as they can live peacefully among each other and, and you know, don't start a war with other segregated communities, then that's really what the American dream should be. But, you know, it's this idea that we're all one culture. That's just that's just crap. It's just not it's not true. It never has been true. And whether it's coming from the left or the right, just that we're all one monolithic culture is just we can't we'll never be there. It's just going to drive a wedge further and further until we have all our war here. I've just never understood the purpose of the like the forced integration type stuff of of uh, government housing and and changing zonings and stuff like that and and uh, creating like low income housing in the middle of neighborhoods that are not that originally and stuff like that like it, it like I said before you know when when you look at like New York of the the early 1900s it was incredibly segregated and it was considered like a a good place like it was something that the rest of the world kind of aspired towards and then you start forcing all of these different communities in on top of each other and making them become you know gentrified and that's where the whole thing starts to collapse yeah i I think the the opposite of segregation is forced integration and that's since the 1960s, that's really been the, well, I mean, the Civil Rights Acts, the, we, we've been living under a new constitution since 1963, which is the civil, or 1964, uh, uh, which is the Civil Rights Constitution. And, you know, now, and, and since then, you do not have the right uh, of freedom of association. You know, you can't say that I don't want to associate with you for for whatever reason. And, you know, because of that, that, that's a violation, you know, of our, um, you know, Bill of Rights, you know, First First Amendment uh, right that that was, you know, uh, you know, written, written in uh, to the Constitution 1787 or whenever it was ratified. Um, But anyhow, the 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 point here is, is that if you are going to build a a christian community okay uh and this is something that we haven't talked about in in this discussion up until this point which is if you have somebody that is that is in your community that does not hold your values um i i i think that you should have the 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 right or the ability to ask those you know that person or that those group of people uh, to leave, you know, because, um, you know, their values are not only, uh, you know, assuming that they're contradictory or uh, perhaps even subversive, you know, to the values of, you know, the Christian community, that that's an entirely new angle that uh, that we haven't talked about. I'm glad you brought that up. So the, the idea of force, forcible removal um was brought up on a post on twitter i believe it was that that uh that that was not very christian and i would push back on that because if you look at 
I believe it was in Matthew where Jesus said, like, if somebody is sinning and they're going against the church, that you speak to them. And and if they continue to go go along with those ways, then you take somebody else with you and you speak to them together. And if they continue, then you bring them before the entirety of the church and you mm. you speak to them as a group. And if they still won't do it, then you cast them out. You don't mm. stop loving them, but you tell them you got to go. It's it's a very Christian thing to remove somebody. Um, like that's that is the that is the solution ultimately. Like there are steps to get there, but that is the that is the solution is to remove the the cancerous element from the community. Well, that's the idea of exile, right? I mean, exile is definitely uh, more Christian than any kind of violence that you would have about, against somebody. Um, but you, I mean, you can do that by just making them uncomfortable, make them uncomfortable to live there. We, if everyone in the community has a similar value, right? We don't need to use a violent solution to exile them. They'll just leave on their own because they just don't feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. That might be a lot easier said than than done, but um, we certainly don't want. To, I mean, for lack of a better word here in this argument, outsiders to come into our community and infiltrate our values. So we have to stand strong in what we have. And I think that's a big problem is that a lot of Christians, I don't know how strong their values really are. I mean, because if they if they had strong values and they understood what their own doctrine teaches, then they would basically be able to exile these people who don't, you know, who don't fit into that definition. Because I think a lot of American Christians are very weak. They're 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 doctrinally uh, ignorant. They they don't know the teachings of Christ Himself, and you know, so they just accept all these outside ideas, and that's how we see it seeping into the churches right now. I mean, that's like the example I gave of of like talking about you know taking somebody before the church and, and exiling them. If you ask the average, you know, gen, just generic Christian, if uh, exiling somebody was appropriate, or if calling somebody out for for their um, you know, recklessly bad behavior was a good thing. They would probably tell you, "No, Jesus said that you're supposed to love everybody and accept everybody." Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you you clearly didn't read anything. <laughs> Sorry, you're wrong. That <laughs> your your uh, you know, buddy Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. That that's a great point, Justin. And uh, the, I I went to a Christian college, uh, you know, decades ago, and um, I, I had a professor, you know, he was a, he was some sort of anarchist. I don't know if he was a Christian anarchist or, uh, I, I'm not sure, but I, I took, I took, uh, one of his, uh, religion classes and he had us reading, you know, kind of all of these postmodern, you know, books. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm thankful, uh, that, uh, that I was exposed to that at a, at a kind of early, early age. Uh, because it was subversive, and I was exposed to uh, what, what what the left, you know, was up to long before it kind of became mainstream. And I, and I remember reading one of these books um, I, I, you know, from a Christian that was, you know, openly homosexual, and they were trying to rationalize and justify, you know, why it was okay, you know, for you know, to be openly homosexual, you know, with within the church and 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 so forth. Now I understand I'm I'm stepping into a, a large, uh, you know, hole of uh, poo poo right here. But uh, 
that's not a problem ha- at all because the follow-up episode to this the uh-huh. so this will be my monday podcast release okay the follow-up to this on wednesday is uh i'm gonna go through a an article on the from the gospel coalition that talks about why you can't be pro lgbtq yeah and be a christian so yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah yeah and, and and no problem so so the idea here is is that uh ago decades ago they were already inverting inverting the truth and also inverting uh the, the definition of love basically what what they were saying is is that any discrimination any any uh discernment whatsoever even telling somebody that they were acting in sin was an act of hate so that the only way that you can love somebody is for you to accept them and there's all sorts of parallels you know with this honestly the progr- the the progressive mindset is explicitly protestant and and i was exposed to this very early on you know because there there's even a a strain of uh like anti uh, land rights, um, you know, within Protestant uh, Christianity. I mean, they are just just a couple of steps from just full-blown a- atheism. They will even say that if you own your own property, I mean, this is just communism, right? They'll say, if you own your own property, you are denying somebody else access, you know, to the property that you own. Therefore, that is hate, okay? So you see how you know, they're just inverting truth. They're inverting, you know, all of these definitions as as, as such. I, I've gotten way out here into the weeds. I don't even know what the point was here necessarily. But 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 essentially here, it, I, I think to kind of bring it home, um, if you're going to have a community, you have to have the ability to discern what it is that you stand for and what, what it is that you oppose. And if you have to embrace what it is that you uh, oppose, eventually you will become what it is that you oppose. Yeah, Patriot, I'm going to do a shout out to uh, Trey 50 Daniels since he's been in the comments a little bit here. When you say that uh, the the liberal mindset is inherently Protestant, I would say it's Puritan. And for folks in the South, they have a word for that. It's called Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) the, the The Yankees have infiltrated everything, and we just want to get rid of them because, you know, if and this comes from again puritanism, if anyone is having fun outside of that, uh, you know their ideology, then you know all hell will break loose. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, guys, you got anything else? Uh, any other like closing thoughts or anything else to add? This has been a a really engaging conversation, and hopefully, it's one that uh, we might pick back up on and, and continue a little more as we kind of see how things unfold over the next few months with. Uh, with the midterms coming up and and maybe the direction that things could potentially go. Uh, I know the Supreme court, there's, there are rumblings that the Supreme court could be doing some more controversial things uh, over the next year or so. So there could be um, expansions of some of the ideas that, uh, that promote the, the Christian nationalism uh, talk. So we might have some, have some fun follow-up. Uh, any any closing thoughts or or uh, anything to plug, and uh, we'll kind of wrap it up. Sure, I'll I'll go first. I, I'll just say uh, any attempt to universalize Christian Christian nationalism uh, in its current structure 
to our to reference our good friend uh, Two Bit Podcast uh, is definitely uh, ten out of ten on the Fed level. Uh, stay away from it, guys. Uh, you're you're going to be targeted by the FBI and uh, everything else. Uh, however, I think that we do need to begin thinking about internalizing our, um, uh, you know, more local uh, covenant communities, uh, Christian nationalism at uh, at the more micro level. And uh, you can follow me uh, at uh, Patriot Way Media, but uh, there's a, what is there, a number one at the very end instead of an A? Uh, yeah, and PatriotWayMedia.com. Uh, if if you want uh, some good laughs uh, every now and then when when I do my trolling, uh, thanks again, Justin. Thanks for coming on. All right. Well, I I also want to reference the Two Bit Podcast, and so even though I feel like we could go for five or six hours with this conversation, <laughs> I'm glad we're not. <laughs> I got to pee, and I got pizza waiting for me out, uh, downstairs. <laughs> uh, as far as you know, ideas go, I, I think uh, the gist of this conversation is exactly right. I mean. Like I said when I started, is that if we had a if we had a choice between the Christian ideal of Americanism, American Christianity, or this global idea, I'd choose the American nationalism idea. But I just don't think that's possible. I mean, because religion is such a personal thing. There's there's so many deep doctrines, and we can we can all say that you know let's let's live by biblical standards, but the different faith traditions don't even do that themselves. So it's not that I want to be black pill on the issue. It's just, it is what it is. You know, um, I'll plug my podcast. Uh, it's the Invictus mind. It's a kind of an eclectic show. Like I said, we talk about, uh, um, political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. Uh, I do have a, a Latter-day Saint bent. So, you know, we're going to try to get into that doctrine sometime. Um, I'll just I'm going to throw this out there, Justin, and, and, and not to confuse too many of your listeners here. But uh, I do believe that if we read the Book of Mormon, you'll learn a lot about Christian nationalism and, and all the problems that cause uh, this kind of stuff. But I'll just leave it at that. If you want to hear more about why I say that, uh, you got to listen to my podcast. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys, a lot. This has been a very engaging conversation. Um, it it covered everything that I hoped it would and, and then some. So, um Thank you all so much again for coming on. And for everybody who's watching or listening, this will be my Monday podcast episode. And then as I had teased earlier, I will be following this up with reviewing a Gospel Coalition article about um, why you can't be LGBTQ um, supportive and be a Christian. Also, there will be a live stream on Monday, September... I don't know, whatever Monday is, the 5th. Um, Mark Metz and I are going to look at Dan Price and some of his uh, shady dealings as the CEO of whatever his company was. He was the uh, the big progressive uh, darling for giving everybody $70,000 a year and, and all of that stuff. Well, it, he's kind of a dirtbag, so Mark and I are going to go into that on Monday. Uh, thanks again, guys. This has been great. And to everybody watching and listening, uh, tune back in on Wednesday. Thanks. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Mike.